Let's bow once more for a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you did send your son, Jesus Christ, uh, that he did give his life a ransom, uh, that through faith and trust in him alone, Lord, we can have reconciliation, forgiveness, to be made right with you, to experience peace uh, that passes all understanding, to know what true love is, a love that uh, we begin to understand the length, the height, the breadth, and the depth of, all because of your spirit that lives within us. And Lord, we ask that your spirit would uh, engage our minds this morning as we open up your word, that uh, as we consider the subject of blessing you and the importance of doing so, uh, because that is the reason why we were created, uh, to glorify you. And Lord, we ask that that would become a, a realization in each and every one of our lives, that no matter how much we do, uh, we need to realize is that we can never glorify you too much. Uh, and Lord, I pray that you would be honored by all it's said and done this morning, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and open up to Ephesians uh, chapter 1. Um, Pastor Caden has already read verses 1 to 3, which uh, gives us a context. And because it's been so many weeks since we actually were in the book of Ephesians, because of our time around Easter and the special series there speaking about truth, um, I'd like to refresh your memory because it's important for us to understand the context of verses, uh, that we do not take them out of context uh, and therefore lose the uh, uh, meaning of those verses uh, to uh, who they were spoken, uh, who they were written, uh, and for what purpose. And so as you take a look at uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 there, if you remember back to uh, the very beginning as we unpacked uh, verse 1, uh, Paul was letting his readers know who they are and what they are. Uh, in relation to who they are, uh, he, they are every believer in Jesus Christ is a saint uh, because they have been set apart or separated from this sinful world to holiness uh, in God. So that's who they are. They're a saint because of Christ Jesus in them. Uh, as we, the song we just sung, uh, spoke uh, to that, to the fact that uh, it's because of Christ uh, in us, not something that we boast in and of ourselves. Uh, we are saints because of what Christ accomplished uh, and continues to accomplish in our lives. Uh, and what are uh, what they are? Well, they are saints that are faithful in Christ Jesus, as verse one goes on to say. Um, and uh, the power of the eternally faithful God is the one who gives them the ability to live as faithful saints in Jesus Christ. So apart from the Holy Spirit, who resides in each one of us, who gives us the ability as the, uh, the eternal God, as part of the Godhead, uh, to give us the ability to, to remain faithful as saints in Christ Jesus. Uh, because the Spirit not only is the one who begins the work of regeneration and opening our eyes to spiritual things, things that our natural eyes cannot see, uh, he is also the one that continues to, uh, you know, let us know that we are children of God, as the Scripture says, but also, too, he is the one that convicts us of sin, uh, even after putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, even after experiencing full redemption, we still struggle with sin. Uh, now, our, our confession of sin to him is part of us remaining faithful in Christ Jesus. And then in verse 2, uh, Paul prays for them to realize what they enjoy as faithful saints in Christ Jesus. 
You notice there in verse 2, it says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember that word grace there uh, comes from the Greek word charis, uh, which is used in reference to the grace God has shown us in his work of love through Jesus Christ. So there's a particular meaning. It wasn't like the common use of the word grace or greetings, as you remember, and I, uh, in a very uh, uh, real way pontificated uh, how I would address a letter to the city of Hartford if I were to uh, do the normal grace greeting. But Paul hones it down so that this reference here is in relation to his love that he has shown to us and in particular to his readers there, uh, those who are in Christ Jesus. And the peace within that context of grace uh, is the product of a person being made right with God. They have been reconciled to God. They are no longer enemies, but sons and daughters. Uh, and so uh, those two verses are the background. Who they are, they are saints. Uh, what they are, are, they are faithful in Christ Jesus. Uh, and they are enjoying, as faithful saints in Christ Jesus, God's grace and God's peace. And that brings us to verse 3, uh, which is our uh, main text uh, for this Sunday and next Sunday, because this is part one of two parts, uh, entitled, Blessed Be God. Uh, Paul will now let them know how it is that they find themselves at this point. How is it that they are saints in Christ Jesus? How is it that they are faithful in Christ? How is it that they experience grace and peace? Uh, they are recipients of this beautiful gift, and Paul wants them to know why. And that was, brings us to verse 3 here in our text this morning, which was this slide right here. Uh, and so uh, that's the context as we take a look and we unpack verse 3, which we're only going to be looking at the words, blessed be God. So what is the overview? If you remember uh, back a few, about, well, I guess a month ago, I mentioned that in Greek, uh, and it, verses 3 through 14 is just one big long sentence. Um, things that I would be constantly corrected uh, by not only my teachers, but even as I write things today, that's uh, what one of the gifts my wife gives to me, is she uh, takes away all those run-on sentences that I have a tendency to put together. But there's a reason why this sentence is one long sentence, because it speaks to salvation. And this is a complete thought, that even though we may look at it and say, that's a lot to say in one sentence, Paul needs to say everything that's in this sentence. He is going to share with them why it is that they are receiving this beautiful gift of grace uh, because he is going to speak to the blessing of salvation and what it entails from beginning to end. And so this section, verses 3 through 14, has been divided in many different ways. I'm going to share a few with you this morning. Uh, one is the Trinitarian view uh, as it takes a look at the blessings of salvation within the Godhead. Uh, and how each one has a part. Uh, as you can notice there on the screen, verses 3 to 6, uh, it, it, the fact that this blessing of salvation originates from the Father. The Father is the one who puts this gift of salvation together. He is the originator. He's the one who came up with this uh, work of salvation. Verses 6 to 12, uh, this blessing of salvation, which becomes ours in the Son. 
because it's in Christ Jesus. It's because of Christ's sacrifice that we are participants in this salvation work. Not something that we do ourselves, but solely what Christ accomplished. And what we do is we, by faith, uh, as a gift from God, uh, and because of his grace, he gives us that peace that our souls so desire to be right with God, to be reconciled to him. Which brings it to verses 13 to 14, that the blessing of salvation is actually realized through the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit is the one who, as I've already said, gives testimony to the fact that we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. That that work of salvation is complete. That we need not worry or fear that somehow uh, salvation is not going to be enough. That Jesus somehow failed. No, Jesus accomplished. He finished that great work. And so the Spirit, what he does is he helps us to realize that. uh, Not only as the one who regenerates but the one who uh, convicts of sin, but as one who is also the seal until the day of redemption. So there's a Trinitarian view as they break it down there, uh, verses 3 to 14. But these uh, can also be seen in the aspects of the doctrines that are in uh, these verses as we take a look. Uh, Verse 4 speaks to the doctrine of election. Verse 5, of adoption. Verse 7, redemption and forgiveness. Verses 9 and 10 of God's decree, and verses 11 to 14 of our inheritance in Christ. And some even go to the point of saying, well, verse 3 is actually a summation, even though, again, the, the, um, the verses are assigned not as part of the, the original, it's something for us to be able to, to navigate uh, as they were assigned to the verses. But some say that verse 3 is a summation or what we would call a preamble to the rest of that section up to verse 14. Uh, John MacArthur uh, actually takes in, uh, uh, shows a different division here. And I'll, I'll read just uh, right from uh, his uh, work here. It says, it is Paul's outline of God's master plan for salvation. In verses 3 through 6a, we are shown the past aspect of election. In verses uh, 6b through 11, we are shown the present aspect, redemption. And then in verses 12 through 14, we are shown the future aspect, the inheritance that we have gained through Christ Jesus. Within God's master plan of salvation is every believer who has or will ever trust in God and be saved. And then finally, uh, if that's not enough for you to chew on in relation to how to take a look at this section, listen to what John Stott said. He called it a gateway, a golden chain, a kaleidoscope, a snowball, a racehorse, an operatic overture, uh, and the flight of an eagle. All these metaphors in their different ways describe the impressive, uh, uh, the impression of color, movement, and grandeur that this sentence makes on the reader's minds. And so the reason I share this with you is because as we take and unpack this, I think we're going to find a little bit of every last one of these aspects. Because just because they divide it differently and as they take a look at these different things does not minimize what we're going to find as we go through this each verse at a time. Um, Sometimes it'll be a phrase at a time, like today, blessed be God. Uh, But the thing is, and I agree with John Stott, is that this sentence is going to make a profound mark on your mind. 
Because it's going to remind you, for everyone who has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, of that blessed gift of salvation in Christ Jesus. It's going to help you to see that this was not something that was just put together as a, a, a contingency plan. This was not done uh, you know, as a result of seeing, oh, well, man fell. I didn't expect that, and therefore I better probably provide some way for him to be redeemed. No, this was part of God's eternal plan, uh, that past aspect, as uh, John MacArthur refers to it. So that we can see that this was part of God's plan all the way from the beginning to provide salvation. Because you have to remember one of the uh, key aspects of who God is, is that he is the one who knows all. There is nothing that God does not know. And that's because God is eternal. He is not bound by time. He does not have a finite mind like ours. He He is the infinite God of all. And so as he you know, puts together this blessing of salvation, what we're going to see as we unpack these verses together over the weeks uh, and probably months to come, uh, we're going to have our minds uh, enlightened. We're going to have our minds potentially stretched, but we're going to be that much more appreciative of the gift of salvation. Uh, and how important it is. And there may be even some of you here that are going to be for the very first time to understand what salvation is all about. Why do I need to be saved? You know, why am I in need of a savior? Why do I need to be redeemed? I'm okay. You know, I'm not a bad person. And so this section is going to speak to all of those things so that you can understand why Christ had to come and why blessed be God. So let's take a look at that phrase, blessed be God, because uh, it's actually in Greek. Uh, it, it actually comes from a root, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, I can't even say it now, eulogio, uh, I can't, there, I'll get it out, uh, which it comes from two individual Greek words. And this is important because it's, it's two words put together for you to get the full meaning. You, which means good and logos, which means something said or thought. So if you put those two things together, what you have is something said or thought that's good. Now, as you think about that word, uh, eulogio, it sounds a little bit familiar. It's where we get our word eulogy from. Now, automatically, when you think of a eulogy, you automatically think of a a funeral. Someone gives a eulogy of someone, and what do they do? They speak good about them and what their life represented and what they did, what they accomplished. Matter of fact, if you were watching the news yesterday, uh, you know that there was a eulogy given in relation to um, Prince Philip uh, or the Duke. Uh, um, and so they, they eulogize that person. But see, it's not just about eulogizing at a funeral because God's not dead. And so when we come and praise him and bless him and worship him, we're not worshiping something that's dead, that's inanimate. We are worshiping the living God. And so with that being the case, what we're doing is we're saying something good, something that is either said through our mouths as we sing or things that we're thinking about even right now. Hopefully you're thinking about the fact that you have the opportunity to worship God and not the five things that you need to do once Pastor Bill stops talking. But see, we come together for the purpose of eulogizing or saying, as the definition of eulogy, 
is defined as a, a commendatory oration or writing especially in honor of one deceased or high praise. So eulogy, or when we eulogize God, we are giving high praise to him. We are saying something or we're thinking something good about God, which is something that we should do not only when we get together at church on Sunday, but every moment of the day and the week. Because there's lots of good things that we can think about in relation to who God is. Well, in the Old Testament, there are two characteristic meanings of the word bless. And I've shared this with you before. One is to endow with beneficial power. Okay? Well, this is something we cannot do in relation to God. Because first we have to understand is that God is the one who is omnipotent. God has all power. As a matter of fact, anything that we have in relation to who we are is a power given to us by God. So how in turn can we endow with beneficial power the God who has all power? We can't. Okay? We only have power because that's what God gives to us. But we can, in the second meaning, do this very thing, worship or praise. We can respond to God's blessing, to say, blessed be God, by worshiping and praising him. And you've already done that today. The challenge is, is what do you do outside of this building? Do you worship and praise God? Do you think or say things that are good about God throughout the week? Because those who have been redeemed, those who have experienced this beautiful gift of grace and peace in Christ Jesus should be thinking and saying and communicating and living out who Jesus Christ is in our everyday lives. See, because worshiping and praising God is actually glorifying him. You know, we were created to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. It's the answer to the first question of the Westminster Catechism. What is the chief end of man? Glorify God and enjoy him forever. Because that's why we were created. And as you look at the world, man worships something or someone. Whether that's themselves, whether that is something that they've elevated up. But the fact is, is that man is a worshiping being. He desires relationship and desires something for his focus to be upon. And mankind can choose whatever that is and, and pour all kinds of energy and time into those things. But see, worshiping and praising God is actually glorifying the God who is the creator, glorifying the God who is omnipotent, who gives you the power, who gives you the breath and, uh, you know, uh, the ability to, to move. It's in him we move and have our being. So do we worship and praise God and glorify him as we should? Well, what is that? It is a recognition and appreciation of God, of God's greatness and his goodness. Now just stop for a moment. I want you to think for a moment something great about God. Okay? Now think about something else that's good about God. See, this is an exercise that we should do regularly. Because we take and do that in relation to our moving around and our, our living every day. We decide what is great, things that we should participate in. We, we look at the world and say, well, that's a good thing for me to do. 
But do you do it in relation to the God who, in grace, gave you a beautiful gift of salvation in Christ Jesus? The one who's not thinking of just the temporal here on earth, but is thinking of eternity where each and every one of us will eventually go, whether it's to eternal life in Christ Jesus or eternal damnation uh, apart from Christ Jesus in a place the Bible calls hell. See, it's a remembering. It's, it's taking the things that you've learned as you open up the word of God, as you, you sit under you know, biblical teaching for you to take in and absorb everything there is to know about God because God wants to be known. You want to know how I know that? Because I have this right here. This is the word of God. This isn't man's word. This is not just a good book. This is the very God-breathed, God's words to us. See, God wants to be known. It's remembering that he is holy, eternal, infinite, self-existent, transcendent, almighty, all-knowing, all-wise, ever-present, sovereign, preeminent, good, faithful, loving, merciful, just, gracious, gentle, kind, majestic, one and only God. And that's not an exhaustive list, by the way. But see, those are the kinds of thoughts you should be filling your head with. And I know it's hard because there are so many things that are flooding into your mind. So many things that can pull you one way or another. Because, you know, listening to the truth and staying on what I would consider the razor edge of truth and not going one way or another is a difficult thing to do when we try and do it in and of our own strength. But we do it in the power of the God who loves us who gave us his son, Jesus Christ, then nothing is impossible. See, we find out these truths in relation to remembering who God is from his word. How do I know that God is all those things I just listed off? Because he told me. He wants you to know who he is. See, good doctrine, you know, a study of the word of God is not an end in itself. God doesn't want us just to have our heads full of all kinds of, of knowledge of who he is and let that be the end of it. Because knowledge is supposed to be utilized into what we would consider taking it to the next step of being a wise use of that knowledge. God doesn't want just a bunch of egg-headed Christians that know a whole bunch of Bible facts and don't know the true God of who those facts are about. See, good doctrine should invoke a response. When we read the word of God, it should you know, cause us to stop, to be still and know that I am God. It should cause us to, to reflect on the grace that we have in salvation in Jesus Christ. And see, good doctrine enables us to worship God rightly. Because there are plenty of people that try to worship God in their own way. But see, God didn't even leave that to, to any guesswork. He told us how he's supposed to be worshipped right here in this book. So good doctrine, yes. But that's not just the end. Because that knowledge needs to have an effect. It needs to change who you are. It gives you the, someone the ability to write a beautiful hymn that Fanny Crosby wrote 
To God be the glory, great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave us, his son, who yielded his life and atonement for sin and opened the life gate that all may go in. O perfect redemption, the purchase of blood to every believer, the promise of God. The vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. Great things he has taught us, great things he has done, and great our rejoicing through Jesus, the Son. But purer and higher and greater will be our wonder, our transport, when Jesus we see. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. O come to the Father through Jesus the Son, and give him the glory, great things he hath done. See, that's reflecting. That is taking the very words of God and, and, you know, speaking them out in song so that what comes out of the mouth is a reflection of what's in the heart. And for Fanny Crosby, this wasn't just a, a uh, you know, mental exercise. This was coming from her heart, speaking forth the truth because she knew God. Well, how do we bless God? Let me just give you four things to chew on in our final moments together this morning. This first is pretty obvious. Worshiping him. Doing exactly what you're doing here today. But know this as a caution. You can come to church each and every week, which I'm glad you do. But you can come and actually sing songs, listen to the word of God, and not be worshiping God. Because our minds, you know, we, we, can, we can become so rote in our repetition <clears throat> that as we gather together, we just do it as, as part of who we are. We can, you know, think about it when you listen to songs on the radio. All you need is that tune, and all of a sudden... You've got all the rest of the words, and you're in that song, and you're 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 ended up you know repeating all those words, but it gets to the point that that a lot of times you just do it unconsciously. And see, God wants us to engage who He is to come and actually worship, so that this time and what we we you know in the very best efforts realizing that we are all still sinful individuals that are saved by the grace of God is to point each and every one of you. To the God who saves, to the God who changes lives, to the God who takes natural men's eyes and makes them spiritual. See, when Jesus was tempted by Satan to worship him, to bow down and worship Satan, what did Jesus say in Luke 4 8? He answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. No one else. And the thing is, is, this world pulls you left and right and pulls you away so that your focus isn't on God. And I know sometimes when you come to church, depending upon what happened before you even got here, your mind is, is everywhere else but right here. You know, we talk about making sure that you prepare your hearts and minds to receive the word of God, to be able to worship him in spirit and in truth. 
See, we need the Spirit of God to give us the ability to take the truth that we learn from the Word of God and from the songs that we sing and make it real in our lives each and every day. We bless God by worship Him and worshiping Him alone. Second is loving Him. Again, it seems very obvious, but sometimes the most obvious things escape us. When Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, this is what he said in in Mark chapter 12, verses 29 and 30. He answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So he wanted to establish first that there is one true God. Even though we live in a world that is mono, or not monotheistic, uh, polytheistic. Monotheistic means there's one God. Polytheistic means that there's many gods. And we live in a world and a culture today where you look over the entire planet and that's what man thinks and what man worships. But there is only one Lord, one God. And you shall love him. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That is a tall order. But it's possible. Because you've got the Spirit of God living in you. And you have the ability to, to read the Word of God. Where there's some places that don't even have a, a page of the Word of God. That they're worshiping something, they're seeking, but yet aren't finding because they haven't, there hasn't been someone to come and share. Third, desiring Him. Psalm 34, 8 says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. So you are blessed when you take refuge in the God who is. When you take time to taste and see. When it says taste and see, it is, you know, taking all of your, uh, of who you are, your, your heart, your mind, your soul, your spirit, and engaging together for the purpose of blessing God. And as a result of blessing him and worshiping him, he blesses you. Have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? When I ask you to to think about something that was great or good about God, could you think of something? Did your mind flood with about 10 things and you're like, Pastor Bill, that's easy for me. I hope it is easy, but not to the point where you don't really engage it. Because there's a difference of having the knowledge and taking and applying that knowledge. And finally, obeying him. Psalm 40, verse 8 says, I desire to do your will. Oh, my God, your law is within my heart. See, it's one thing to know the truth. It's one thing to have good doctrine. But if it doesn't have an effect, a result, as that word is applied to your life, in other words, you obey it, then you're missing out on the blessing that you can have. And what you end up doing is you just you, you separate and cause a separation to happen between you and God. You know, we use the, the terminology that, you know, sometimes married couples, you know, can be in the same room but a million miles away from one another. Well, sometimes that happens between us and God. It seems like we're a million miles away. We have it all up here, but we don't have it down here. Because our, we're not loving God with our heart our soul, our mind, and our strength. So blessed be God.
the one who was, who is, and is to come. He is eternal. Closing word of prayer. Gracious Father, Lord, I thank you for just who you are. May you fill our hearts, our minds, our soul, and our strength with who you are. May we not live as those who have been defeated that only see the word of God as uh, information for our minds and don't use it to affect who we are each and every day. That we don't ask your spirit to teach us and to help us to abide and to walk with you, to bless you as we should. Lord, we live in a day and age where there are so many things that pull us to the left and to the right. Sometimes that stop us in our tracks. Sometimes they cause us to be in a rut where we can't seem to get out. That's all because we're not fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And Lord, I pray for each one of the believers here today, Lord, that they would be able to bless you as they should. Give them the joy and the, the, the fullness to be able to experience what it's like to love you like we should, to obey you like we should, to worship you as we should, and to desire you as we should. Lord, we all need to grow in that. doesn't matter how many years we've known you, whether we're a new believer or a seasoned believer. We need you each and every hour of each and every day. So may our focus be upon you and may we bless bless you. Because blessed be God. In Jesus' name, amen.